to do. Welcome back to the Groove Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on iTunes. Search Glue or search Glue Guys. Check us out on thebrooklyngame.com. And check us out on Twitter at Guys. Brian. Talk to me, Michael. Uh, so we just recorded an interview with Chris Sheeran of Yes Network. Yeah. So what should we do now? It was great to talk to him. It pretty much covered most of the Nets news that I would want. I don't know. What can you? What are your takeaways from the from the loss? Was Brooke Lopez's lack of composure in the fourth quarter alarming in any way to you? That what you didn't watch the game, did you? I caught you busted. No. Oh, the Hornets game. Yeah, I watched. Of course, it was the return of Ronde. That's the only game I'm going to watch for the rest of the year. I think. <laughs> <laughs> going to watch Ronde. I mean, I'm enjoying a lot of Sean Kilpatrick. Oh, yeah. I don't care that he doesn't really play defense. That doesn't bother me. No. Hair looks great. Great jump shot. I mean, since he's come to the NBA, he's got to be one of the best, you know, three point shooters in the league. I imagine. Yeah. Um. Oh, he looks good. Looks spry. No, I'm 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 enjoying this sort of like uh like end of the season crappy. Yeah, Nets team. It could be way worse. We could still have Joe Johnson and, and Lion Hollins and Lionel Hollins, um, and that would be worse. But so we have this this great thing to look forward to. So yeah, so we did an interview with Chris Sheeran, and, and it was some, great. There's some juicy gossip in that. I'm gonna tease that interview. Chris Sheeran's got got the uh, dropping. I don't know. That it, he's, he's he he didn't want us to get too excited about it, but well, I, it's something he apparently had already said before. But uh, it, it 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 is an interesting. I mean, it, it was pretty legitimately an interesting thing, and it's, both of us were silenced by it. Listen, it's something I've said before on this podcast um, with a lot less fervor, and now I get to be like... Maybe get, maybe less bravado? Yeah, a little bit less. So, you know, it's something, but it's definitely been in the Nets ambit ever since... Here's the the, the pickup. Is, it's a certain line in a Prokhorov... And then, like, a anyways, it's, it's a complicated rumor. It's All right, so why don't we... Rumor. Let's just play the interview now. Yeah. You can listen to that. You'll know what we're talking about when we get to it. It's probably actually going to be in the descriptions of the piece when I send it out on SoundCloud really? and thebrookengame.com. Really? Gonna, gonna should I give it up? Should I have some more up, mystery? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I'll have more mystery in it. All right. Uh, so this is the Christian interview that we did with him uh, just moments ago. Uh, please enjoy. So, Chris, I was just doing some research on you earlier today, and I was looking at your Twitter feed, and I saw that you have a... Uh, is this an indoor frying apparatus that you stuck a whole turkey into? Did I see that correctly? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, one of my uh, one of my buddies that I played baseball with, mm-hmm. who moved away before he moved away, he actually invented a uh, safety system for frying turkeys, and I had no idea what I was doing. This was like six or seven years ago. Uh-huh. So I I inquired. He gave me a couple of the safety apparatuses, and ever since. He taught me we've been having fried turkey on Thanksgiving for the past six years. So. My, my God. So, and that's your personal fryer, or is that his fryer? Uh, we we got an indoor fryer. My parents got it for me for Christmas this year, and it blows the uh, outdoor stuff yeah. away because, you know, it's cold sometimes Thanksgiving, and we do it on Easter on occasion, too, and it could be a little chilly, and 
the oil gets cold, it gets hot, it right. gets cold, it gets hot. This one is temperature controlled. It stays the same temperature, and we've ripped through two already, and they're phenomenal. <laughs> so that's I just love the cooking apparatus, Mike. That's the one thing I'm after. Yeah, and there's no – so no, you've had no mishaps. I mean, like, turkey fryers are famously – No, 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 no. You, you have to know what you're doing. Like, that's why I paid attention to what my, my friend Chris – uh, told me how to do it. He wrote down the instructions after he taught me how to do it, like by myself. And so far, knock on wood, we're all still alive. <laughs> and, it, and it's like it's for me personally. I've never had a fried turkey. It seems like this like mystical thing because you hear they like every year. So I work in for a news radio station, and every year we do stories about people essentially blowing <laughs> off their roofs uh, oh, over yeah, well, turkey fryers. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that go into it. Like when you it's a process. We we inject it the night before. Uh, we rub it the night before. So it, it marinates a good 12 to 14 hours. Then the next day, you know, if you're going to, if you're planning on frying it like four or five o'clock, you've got to take it out of the refrigerator like 11 in the morning to make sure it gets up to room temperature. Because if you put a cold, a freezing cold turkey into boiling hot oil, yeah, bad things are going to happen. Is that where the explosion? <laughs> ah, no kidding. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and this is also a great metaphor for the nets. Oh, um, wow. it, it's going to be a long process. Uh, it, it, you can't it just throw a frozen turkey right out onto the court ah, and expect it to. Sure. I like that symbolism. Like, yeah. Um, so you're we, absolutely right. Yeah. So if you don't know, we're here with a uh, Chris Sharon, who's uh, you've probably seen him on games over the past what dozen years or so. You've been on yes. Uh this I am entering my fifteenth uh, year, believe it or not. Wow. So, we're going to talk about the Nets, but like quickly, how did you get to where you are, and just like generally, like what's the path from from getting to from where you started to becoming, you know, someone that everyone who watches Nets games now know? Um. Well, it started ironically back in high school. Uh, I was playing basketball. Uh, my junior year after that ended, my uh, the varsity coach told me if I was going to come out for my senior year, I was looking at limited playing time unless I played summer ball. Um, I told him I'm a baseball player, so I guess I'm not playing basketball next year. Uh, but I, we have a local TV station in my hometown of South River, New Jersey, and uh, the guys who run the station approached me and said, do you want to do you want to be the color analyst for the team who knows them better than you. You've been playing with them for the last three years. I said, sure. And that's where the uh, the itch started to get scratched, and it just kind of multiplied after that. It was a long, tough, hard road with a lot of rejection. You know, uh, went to school, yeah. Rowan University, uh, did a, as much as I could with the radio station, uh, built a TV station down there from the ground up, and it's still flourishing today. Still proud of that. Right but on. when you graduate college, you're the uh, tadpole in the ocean once again. You're not the big fish walking around campus. Mm -hmm. And I had to pay my dues again. I started Major League Baseball, and I was working at a bakery at uh, A&P in the morning, and then I would work at Major League Baseball viewing games at night. So just so everybody out there, you know, men and women who are striving to be on-air talent in this uh, field. It, it's a long process, and you have to have very thick skin, and you have to be ready for rejection because it comes at you left and right. And I, like I said, nine years of sending demo tapes out, nine years of getting no thanks. Uh, and then finally, after I went through 
through September 11th at MSNBC as a producer, uh, one of the gentlemen I used to work with at MSNBC was starting at Yes on the Mike and the Mad Dog show. He asked me if I wanted to get out of there. I was basically watching them pull bodies out of the wreckage for six months on the overnight. I didn't even know what job he was offering me. I just immediately said yes, and uh, the rest is history. So it was a long – I started – this was my 20th year in television. Um, I was at MSNBC uh, for six, eight years, and I've been at yes, the rest. So so what was that for – I mean, what was the first job with uh, – The my, first job with Major with League Baseball – uh, oh, with the Yes Show. With yeah. the Yes Show. Um, well, I was an associate producer. Basically, I would go in every day uh, early on, and I would edit all the video by myself, cuts only from machine to machine. I would make a list of everything that I edited. I would give that to the producer. I would give that to the tape operator. And during the show, I would aid the director. If Mike and Chris started talking about something, I would say, hey, we have that. It's tape number one. And then they would load the tape. And if they were still talking about it by the time it was queued up, <laughs> we played it. If they didn't, uh, we moved on. Uh, now we have other technology. We have an EBS machine where I'm not sure if you guys know, but you know, video is all digital now and it's instantaneous. Uh, Joe Girardi could start his press conference. We could be in a commercial break and we could come right back and right up on it and not miss the beat, uh, because it's all recorded digitally, but. You guys probably knew that, so well, I don't know. Well, what is interesting, like, so I'm one of the people that watches those sort of, um, you know, like radio TV broadcasts. Oh, I, I lived one for eight years. So. Yeah, and I've always wondered how those, how the video things happen. As in, do you discuss with, let's say, at that point in your career, did you discuss with Mike's producer and say, um, what's Mike going to talk about so we have the video ready, or did you just on like your own say they're probably going to talk about the Knicks. I should have some Knicks video ready. It was it, it's a great question and it was a collaboration. We you know Chris Carlin was a producer, uh Mark Malusis was a producer, Eddie Erickson was a producer and all those guys without them, I mean the the just think about a chain link fence missing a link if you didn't have those guys. They were tremendous uh in aiding us, but at the same time you know, Mike wasn't going to tell them exactly what he was going to talk about. They basically gave us, all right, here's what's probably going to happen. And it was a guessing game, but if you knew anything about sports and, and, and you followed the show every day, which obviously we did, uh, it was kind of easy <laughs> to know where they were right. going to go. So. Um, so my one last question about the TV production biz. What's So we get the pregame show with you, we get halftime, and we get some postgame. What's something that we don't realize about your job, just as viewers, um, sort of that what goes into your job, especially are you watching just the Nets at the time? Or are you watching sort of everything? So then you can when you do the toss to what happened, what's happening with the Pelicans or the Warriors or something, you sort of know what's going on. I mean, what's the process we, there? I, I don't I only have uh, one TV in my office, so I'm locked in on the broadcast. But I if there's a big game going on that night. Uh, we have a separate room right behind the control room where we have our uh, our loggers, our viewers. So if I wanted to go up there and say, hey, what's, what's going on in this game, anything I should know, they could feed me information. So when I get the sheets out on the set, I'm a step ahead of the game. But basically, I will keep an eye on the next game on the TV, 
and I had NBA.com up, and I know from our pre-production meeting what NBA games we're going to highlight in the post-game, so I also keep an eye on those games uh, via the internet, NBA.com, and that way I know what the heck is going on, so I don't, uh, you know, I'm not completely lost, but when you do the job, guys, you you have to know the NBA. If you don't know what's going on in the league, if you don't know uh, players, if you don't know, especially, <laughs> it goes without saying, if you don't know the team you're covering, you're in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. So you got to have a well-rounded uh, knowledge of what's going on all around you every night because anything could come at you. And if some breaking news happens and my producer comes up to me and says, hey, we're going to get owner with uh, Adrian Wojnarowski of uh, you know Yahoo Sports and we're going to talk about some big trade that happened. You know, I, I can't just that minute go and look it up online. I need to know these things. I need to know, like, the rumblings, the sources, everything that's going on. And I try to keep my ear to the wall and listen to as much as I can and be in tune with what's going on because yeah. you need to do that. And and you asked about the preparation before the pregame. We get a ton of stuff from Stats Inc. Uh, I'm in my office. I'm reading clips from the newspapers, the local papers from our opposition the local papers for the Nets, obviously. I go through all that. I have the Nets game notes. I have their opponents game notes. I go through those. And then the Stats Inc. stuff, you know, if you ever hear me rip off some stats uh, if that at the end of the pregame show, that means we were, we were light on time. And my producer says, hey, we have 40 seconds. If you have anything, just let it loose. And I'll read until I go off camera, and then I'll look down. And that yellow sheet of paper, you always see me, that, that big yellow notepad, that is my Bible for that night's game. And that whole legal pad first sheet is full. And my second sheet on that legal pad, this is all insider information, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's exclusive my, here. It, 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 the second sheet on that legal pad is always Sarah Kustak segment. Yeah. You know, I, I write down that. <laughs> usually, usually she will, you know, I don't want to, my leads to her are quick, and there's a reason for that. Yeah. She's the reporter. She's the one that reports. She's the one that gives numbers. But, I prepare myself so if she does not say something that I feel is pertinent, I could follow up on what she says when she does when she does her report. And you'll have to excuse the noise in the background. My wife is busily emptying the dishwasher, so I'm going to leave the kitchen. There's no, some more. That. That's there's there's yeah. some more insider information yeah. for you guys. Yeah, I'll tell you. Usually, as you know, because we're recording this right now, it's like eight twenty-seven p.m. And when uh-huh. we record it. Usually my wife, not to, but like we are making dinner as this is going on. So it's a very familial uh, atmosphere. Well, there you go. Yeah. I just don't want you guys to hear plates clanging in the background as we're talking about basketball. Well, speaking of like uh, NBA rumblings, I, uh, when we tweeted out that you're going to be on the show, got a bunch of emails basically from people that wanted to hear you play GM for a second. Um, <laughs> half of which were like, what does what does Chris Sheeran want for a free agent in this summer if if there's going to be one? Well, here's the thing. I I just want to blanket this statement right yeah, now. Please. The the Nets are going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. They are for sure. Bringing Sean Marks in. Sean Marks bringing Trajan Langdon in. Uh, he's getting all his ducks in a row. Um, what scares the hell out of me is are they going to be able to get a big name free agent to come to Brooklyn. Right now, I heard just a rumor. Um, 
you know, and don't put too much credence into it, but it's from a pretty good source. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were talking earlier this season, uh, just a random conversation on the phone, uh, and Kevin Durant wants to, and I've said this on my podcast, he wants to play in New York. Now, whether this happens or not, I don't know. You should see the look on, on our faces right now. <laughs> well, yeah. that that's something that yeah. I heard. I don't know. if sure. Again, I don't know if it's true. Take it with a grain of salt. But if that's true and you can get that guy to Brooklyn, mm-hmm. that would be the first domino to start falling. You know, this team, if, if they get him and you put him on that front line with, with Brook and Thad, yeah. And maybe you could steal Conley. I, you know, maybe that gets Conley to the Nets. I don't know if they have enough money to do that. Mm-hmm. But you guys know they definitely need a starting point guard. They definitely need a guy like a Durant for some star power. That's what this team needs to start the ball rolling. Now, if you get Durant, I'm not quite sure you're going to go out and get Conley. Cause I don't think the money is going to work. Cause mm-hmm. I think Conley wants to get paid. Yeah. And I'm not good at math. So, <laughs> as a GM, I would fail miserably. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Sean, Sean Marks uh, knows exactly what he's doing. And like I said, he, he, he grew up in a great system. He knows what he's doing. But if they can get that first big domino to fall, yeah. that would entice other free agents to get there. And I'm not, you know, if they get Durant, and it's a big if, but if they did, you're not talking about a championship team next year, but you're talking about a team that could compete for a championship in the very near future as opposed to a team that doesn't have a pick this year, swaps picks with Boston next year, doesn't have a pick the following season, then finally gets a first-round pick. Unless there's a deal that happens, you guys know all this information. I'm not breaking any news Mm -hmm. here. Unless a deal happens where they get a first-rounder, and who knows who's going to be in the draft at that time and if they can help the Nets immediately. They have some nice young pieces in place. Ronda Hollis Jefferson, I think he has a lot of upside. Mm-hmm. Uh, Markel Brown has shown flashes. Sean Kilpatrick, he's playing his rear end off. I mean, and, and you heard Tony Brown the other night after the, uh, the loss to, uh, God, who they just lose to 105-100. I, I did the game right now. Was it, uh, was it the Charlotte game that was just doing it? The, the Charlotte game. I'm yeah. sorry. I just, yeah, no, too, too many of those damn games. Yeah, but after they all bleed together, trust yeah. the guy. But Tony Brown said after that game, you know, we're going to play the guys that are giving me maximum effort. The, the guys who are not giving me effort or are not going to play anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's paraphrasing, but that's very telling to me because Sean Marks, you know, he, he has to be the puppet master here because he has to evaluate this talent that he has. So maybe this is coming from him. Maybe he just wants to see the guys now. Maybe the, the tryout, quote-unquote, is over, as I throw the Chris Farley air quote at you, but the tryout is over, and now he wants to see what a certain five can do and what a certain rotation can do uh, for this team. And then you're going to bring most of those guys back next year, and you hopefully, hopefully yeah. get that big-name piece in there. So let so me ask you, that, apocalypse yeah, scenario, what happens if there's – it's another Johan Petro summer – and we go into uh, next season having signed no meaningful free agents. What would be your plan of attack then, to, if we're still playing GM here? 
Golly, yeah. I, I I really don't know. I don't know. I really don't know how it gets better. Our, our good buddy Devin Carparity might be able to answer that question <laughs> a little bit better than I, me. I mean, let's. I guess the the big question is: Do you then consider flipping Brook Lopez and Thad Young for picks? And I, I I think at that point you have to. And to tell you the truth, guys, I I thought about doing that this year. Yeah. Um. I guess Toronto wasn't really coming correct with anything big because you heard rumblings about. You know, they wanted that up there in Toronto to maybe be the final piece of their puzzle to get by the Cavs and get into the, into the finals. And Brooke, you know, he, you guys could argue about, uh, with me about this, but I think this is his best year in the NBA. No, and I, I agree, especially with all that he's had to dealt with. This is his, one of his worst supporting casts. I mean, since the, you know, the, how many win season was it? The, the season that netted, uh, What's his name from Georgia Tech, power forward that they traded away in Utah trade? Oh, uh, Derek Favors. Yeah, I mean. Derek Favors, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, like, Brooks been phenomenal, and there was a post by Kevin Pelton of ESPN, uh, All-NBA, uh, who would be on the All-NBA thing, and I think they changed it where it's not necessarily centers, but, I mean, like, Brooke legitimately, if you're looking at the best centers in the NBA, I mean, I really don't know who would really be better in terms of at least an offensive player. I mean, well, let me ask let yeah. me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. This guy, if you count Tom Barris, uh, has had nine coaches in eight years. Yeah. Nine coaches in eight years. And this year, because I think it's you know, because he hasn't had a supporting cast, I think that's why he's flourishing so much. But if you notice and he still gets under my skin when he's seven feet tall and he has size 20 feet and he doesn't go to the rack. Yeah. That drives me in. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from him. No. Trust me. And he's the first one to be sitting at his locker to talk to the media. So as a person who works and has to get sound back to the truck quickly, Brooke, not only on the floor, off the floor, this guy is a gem. But his game has grown exponentially in my eyes. Down in the post, he's down there more. He's not settling for that 18 to 20 foot jump shot like he was last year. You know, that drove, it doesn't really matter if it drives me crazy, yeah. but it drove me crazy. Well, it and seems it's like also nice. he's learning how to put, like pass out of the double team for the first time maybe ever in the, like the last yeah. two months. Yes, yes, yeah. his assists are, are skyrocketing. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot, I forgot the number, you know, but he's got, I, I think it's something like 40 more than he had last year already or something yeah. obscene like that. Um, but my question to you guys is, if you put Brook Lopez on the Spurs with one coach his entire career, yeah, how, how much better is he? Is is he Tim Duncan in effect? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how much how much better is he? I mean, Brook. If you just look at Brook's career, he's been uh, jerked around pretty much more than than most players for having like the most even keeled personality. I mean, he, his name is constantly in trade rumors. You brought up the coaches factor, yeah. um, you know, and the coaches factor really matters for a post player because that you're not you're creating your own offense, but you're relying on your guards to get you the ball. If your offense right. is constantly changing, then then that changes the way that you get the ball. I mean, it's it's great, and I and and so this is something now. My new pet thing is like three weeks left in the season, right? Um, mm-hmm. I'm well, I I would think about just shutting Brooke down pretty soon just because it almost doesn't matter what he does and if he were to get hurt 
by the end of this year, it would, I mean, that we think we're at rock bottom now, but it would send this team even more into rock bottom. The only positive yeah, then, of, yeah. Then you can't spin them, you know, because people aren't going to trust his feet or whatever he hurts. You know, he's, he's injury prone. You know, once again, he goes down. I, I tend to agree with you, actually, 100%. And he might not want to do that, uh, but I think it's in his best interest and it's in the best interest of the team. I mean, we saw what happened in Minnesota. He and Thad didn't play. I mean, that just threw us all off guard. And that was the only game, if I'm not mistaken, besides the virus that he missed in Detroit. Um, those are the only two games he's had off, mm. you know, Minnesota and since. So why not? It doesn't make any sense to keep this guy playing. So we, you talked about some of these guys earlier, but I've got a list of four guys, and I want you to tell me who you think's got the highest ceiling. I got okay. Kilpatrick, I got Jefferson, I got McCullough, and I got Brown. <laughs> This is this is this is going on with that po- the apocalyptic scenario where we don't get a good free agent. Well, <laughs> we got to watch one of these guys get good. You know, Kilpatrick could score. He's yeah. a liability on defense. Yeah. Uh, Hollis Jefferson could defend. He's not really a scorer, and he's a shooting guard. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe if you could somehow meld those two players together. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but no, there's. You could see the team is a different team, especially on the defensive end, and not against the Hornets. He didn't play enough, and it was his first game back. It's not fair to judge him like that. But until he got hurt uh, on December 5th at practice, Hollis Jefferson was starting to blossom, not yeah. so much on the offensive end, but he was really locking it down on defense. Uh, and I think right after he got hurt was the last time until recently that the Nets won two games in a row. I think they won on the 8th and the 10th of December right after he got hurt. And then it all went downhill from there. I think three wins in January and Jared Jack got hurt at the beginning of the, uh, that month. Uh, you know, they beat the Celtics and then they only win two more games the rest of the month. And that's when everything started to go really south. But as far as upside, I, I really, Chris McCullough, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I can give him a fair assessment either because he, I, he hasn't really cracked the rotation a lot. He's played spotty here and there. Um, well, and, and even if he, even if he was a healthy guy, like if he didn't tear his ACL coming out of Syracuse and he was just healthy, he would have been a higher pick. But he also still would have been a project. You know, he, like he would, right. he would have never right. have been a guy who like came in and contributed, you know, twenty minutes and ten points and eight boards. It was never going to be him, anyways. Coming off the injury, it's just it makes it worse. But you see the potential. Well, he really likes his jump shot, which is like, which is good if it can happen. But then you don't want him because he is so young. You don't want him to only be a jump shooter when he's that tall and that athletic. Like you kind of right. need him to get down in there a little bit. But he's you know coming back from injury, so that's fine. But right, and that's why I can't. I mean, he he has he has upside. I don't want to say it's a tremendous upside. I want to see him for you know. I want to see him come into camp. I want to see him be healthy in camp. Get a little summer league action in, and then get off and running to start a new season with guess what guys another new head coach yeah well yeah. and that's my last question we'll let you get out of here on this one uh what type of coach like if you could put sort of the the, the you're looking for a specific kind of resume what type of coach does this team need is it like the young up-and-comer spurs assistant type or is it the tom thibodeau basically which is what mm-hmm. every every fan base would want from uh, the next I, coach yeah I hear that, and uh, I don't know why Tibbs is like a, a pariah, but yeah. somehow he is. 
Uh, and, you know, Phil Jackson wants to stay with Kurt Rambis apparently next year for the Knicks. That seems like a great idea. Yeah, really. Um, but I really think if if I could get into Sean Marks' head, I think it's the former, uh, mm. what you said. I, I think it's the younger, you know, Spurs mentality. It, it's what Mikhail Prokhorov said at his press conference after Billy was reassigned and after Lionel was fired. We have to decide what kind of team we're going to be. Are we going to be a defensive team? Are we going to be a team that shoots three-pointers? Are we going to be a team that works ball movement? This, that. They have to find an identity. And a guy to put a stamp on that identity is not only Sean Marks, but the guy he picks as the head coach. So whoever he picks has to be on the same page as the general manager because that blueprint in the noggin of Marks it can't get lost in translation with the guy uh, that he picks to be his head coach. And I and I tend to think it's not going to be a Tibbs. It's not going to be one of the old guard. It's going to be someone that Marks uh, trusts very highly. It's not going to be a former player, you know, that with no coaching experience. Yeah, we can't do that. Uh, we, we all see how that worked out. Uh, besides Steve Kerr, who has, you know, the Monstars out in Golden State, pretty much. And that might be dating you guys. I don't know how old you guys are. No, we're, we're old enough. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, our, that's our sweet spot right there. That, that's Space Jam. So for, for all the younger listeners out there. But the Warriors, I think, and this is no disrespect to Steve Kerr, but I could pretty much put a suit on and, and, and go out there and, yeah. and, and, and those guys would win a couple of games with me on the That's bench. how I feel, too. I mean, Luke Walton is undefeated this year. That's, yeah. And he may even be the guy He's who... He's going to be the beneficiary yeah, of that more, more than anyone. He, you know what? He might be the dude. So who knows? But here's the good news for Nets fans. You know, when, and I, I never want anybody to lose a job. I never want anybody to be reassigned. But when they, when Prokhorov made that decision, that was a, uh, you remember the, the, the moon landing, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Mm-hmm. That was one giant leap for Netkind. So <laughs> Nets fans, have to be now. Look, I know about the picks. I know all about them. It's, it's driven into my head. Mm-hmm. Everybody has pretty much the same amount of money in, in salary cap. Uh, it's it's hashtag Durant or bust. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean that that and, and a new coach. You know, I don't know how it's all going to shake out, but there's something in my gut that tells me. And and on paper, the middle of the season, I would have told you the Knicks were in better shape than the Nets. But there's something in my gut. That just tells me the Nets are going to be better off than the Knicks. Wow. Love right. that. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for joining us. It's Chris Sheeran. You can see him on Yes Network, following uh, or proceeding in between and following pretty much every game of the Nets. Uh, thank you again, Chris, and uh, we really appreciate it. Guys, I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. All right. It's the news. All right. Go. Go. All right, news around the league, and uh, thank you again, Christian, for joining us right here on The Glue Guys. Right here. Check I us out on BrookenGame.com. Right here. Right here. You've been right in the Right now. That's I can tell. Uh, it's actually, I have some fun NBA news, I think. So there was, the biggest thing that happened today, we're recording this on a Tuesday, is that um, Howard Beck from Bleacher Report put out this huge, awesome, wonderful, beautiful story about LeBron and Carmelo, their relationship together. And 
how their paths have you know differed from the time that they were top picks in the draft and everyone thought they were going to be the next magic and bird and then sort of Mello is now in this depressing situation with the Knicks. Um, he's he said openly that he really doesn't. Uh, at some point, he may have to consider waiving his no trade clause. He would do that. You know, there's been things like that out there. So it's it's been very interesting. Um, sort of the thing that everyone is is grasping on from this article. It's a great article. It's well worth like reading. Um, but the one big thing that everyone's grasping on about is this quote from James. So LeBron James, being that James. Uh, talking about the time when Dwayne Wade, Carmelo, and LeBron were all sort of discussing what to do when they were getting off their rookie deal. So they signed a three-year contract or a five-year. Wade and LeBron signed a five-year, or Wade and LeBron signed a three-year. Carmelo signed a five-year. Mm. So what James uh, eventually then said, he says, I really ha- hope that before our career is over, we can all play together. At least one, maybe two, or two seasons me, Mello, D. Wade, and Chris Paul. I want to get one year together. I would take a pay cut to do that. So everyone's mm. up in a tizzy about the thought that those four people would play together. Um, it's sort of like I, I think I think LeBron. So I think he says that he says that to Howard Beck. I think he obviously says that as being genuine, like it's something he really wants. But it's also something that like. Is it sort of tampering by him saying out there that he would love to play with like these superstars and making it known like publicly that like basically he's the GM of the team? Do, do tampering rules apply to players? Is that is that even possible? There's some collusion thing, right? Because remember when back when my when Miami formed, you know the the Heatles, mm-hmm. and there was some belief that they had all discussed previously that they were all going to join up before they ever signed up, which LeBron even said in the piece. That he said, him, Dwayne Wade, and Carmelo had all talked about. We're well, only going to take three-year I mean, deals. Yeah, yeah. So I don't. If you didn't think that, that's that's insanity, dumb of you. right? <laughs> yeah. Um, like they that they just oh like oh they, they looked around one summer and like hey you guys don't have teams this <laughs> look summer. Look at this. Look, we're ending up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the whole thing is great. There's like this one quote from Carmelo that kind of defines the type of player Carmelo is. He says. In talking about comparisons between him and LeBron, I just wish, like, comma, the comparisons wasn't there because we're two totally different types of players. We was in two different situations. I just wish people would recognize that and understand that. Um, what's interesting? People rec- both recognize and understand that. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, yeah. And, and what's interesting? So you can give um, by him saying there's two different types of players. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are two different types of players. Maybe Carmelo recognizes that LeBron is better than him, whatever. Is that, but, is that what he's recognizing there? I'm not even... But, but the, the thing that I that bugs me is the uh, two different situations. And it's sort of like, well, Carmelo, you, you created this situation. You, more than any other superstar, has decided, I'm leaving Denver and I'm going to New York. I only want to be in New York. Yeah. That's the only place he wanted to be. Yeah. And to now say he's a victim of circumstance, no. a victim of his situation. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 you're not. You you decided to go to the Knicks. Like, mm-hmm. they're crazy. Yeah. History of just blowing things up and making things really bad. Um, We are allowed to compare what LeBron and Carmelo did in terms of where they went to when they were free agents or they how they tried to get away from one, got away from Cleveland, went to Miami. The other forced to trade to New York when he could have he went anywhere. He could have went anywhere for any other reasons. He went to New York just because he wanted to. 
that's where he wanted to be. So we are allowed to compare, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like, what's... Well, I think we're allowed to compare everything all the time anyhow. Right. Like, what's... Yeah, I mean, I can... That's always a funny thing. Yeah. Um. So, do you know who... Uh, What's John Legend's wife name? Chrissy Teigen? Yeah. I keep seeing this name everywhere. I have no idea who it is, but Chrissy Teigen is just a name that's in my world now. Got famous for Sports Illustrated. She was a Sports Illustrated model. <clears throat> she started being interviewed, and she's like animated and funny and mm-hmm. all this stuff. Okay. So people are obsessed with her. So then she got bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, she was in a recent... Uh, I think it was the newest Sports Illustrated, and some people on Twitter were criticizing her for how she looked. She's mm-hmm. little. She's not like a skinny woman, which is fine. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. If you understand what I'm saying. Um, she was getting back at them on Twitter saying, oh, I'm sure that you're a 10 or something. You know, basically mm-hmm. saying, if you think I'm ugly, then you're oh, ugly. Going, going down the Twitter rabbit hole big time there. Wow. But here's the thing. Yeah. Her job, this specific role that she was filling was mm-hmm. about her looks. Being a model is is about your looks. Yeah. Someone, I mean, people were, I'm sure, saying nasty stuff, but people were saying that she isn't good looking, however else, what the truth may be, people can legitimately criticize that because her job is about her looks. Carmelo's job is about playing basketball, right? Aren't we allowed to criticize the situation with which he created around himself? Because his, like, we're not criticizing the way he dresses, even I mean, though people I would, do do that. I would do that. That's not, yeah, I'm yeah. not above that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're allowed to, right? Yeah. I wouldn't do it about his looks, probably. That's not the way to get under his, his skin, I feel like. No, it's um, apparently about comparing him to LeBron. Yeah. Which he hates. Um, but, oh, by the way, did you listen to the um, Jonathan Abrams uh, on uh, Zach Lowe's podcast? I did not. So good. His, Catch me up. So his book just came out. It's about Prep to Pros. Did you see this at all? Yeah. Um, talks about Carmelo and LeBron, and that's sort of like the first area at which they they like parted ways. You know, Carmelo went to your alma mater, um, as mine, you, as you may know, as yours is. <laughs> and uh, did you not graduate from fo- Syracuse? But, it, <laughs> but this is a secret. I, I never actually. I just I went. I walked. Okay. I walked through the ceremony. I didn't actually get the diploma. Was, what is? Are you audited? You no, just I'm audited just your way through. I get it. That was easy. It was easy. Um, but. Uh, person that you may or may not know has a, an amazing documentary that I just saw the other night that was, I think, produced by Joachim Noah, but I'm not totally sure. I thought his name was on it, but it's the Lenny Cook story. I just want to recommend that I haven't too. seen that yet, but is it is that, that 30 for 30 or is that, where is that at? No, it's like uh, this, like, basically indie documentary group that, that just, like, follows him around Love in Love Lenny Cook. Yeah. I mean... No, it's like, you can see the transition the from, like, well, it's just impossible to basically, when, when, when that kind of, when there's so many people telling you a certain thing and how that influences you and your your sense of self and it's like just basically can't can't extricate himself from well, all and of that. he was the number one guy right yeah so the deal is like he played lebron in a like aau game or whatever it wasn't even high school it was like summer league it was like someone's sneaker camp or something and uh and nobody had really heard of lebron james at that point and lenny cook was like the new york city dude everyone knew him and LeBron ends up like playing really well and then hits this crazy game winning shot like over Lenny Cook very noticeably and that's it. That's where it that's where he starts to fade away and LeBron starts to surface. Yeah. Um I don't know why I got into all that, but something I, I, guess, I guess we were talking about Carmelo. Anyways, yeah, um yeah, all that criticism stuff is and especially that's what you sign up for in particular when you 
come to New York. So that's a, it's a double, it's a double whammy in my book that if you're like, you can't criticize me. Plus I came to New York specifically a place where criticism is a lifeblood, uh, the it's the essence of the city well and and lebron has handled being in new york really well uh considerably i mean but but there's something that's happened over the past month mike i gotta take this patagonia off hang on please do you, you keep talking i gotta say i'm dying uh, there's something that's happened <laughs> by the way brian's wearing this like just beautiful a luscious a luscious beautiful patagonia Maybe, that's uh, retro patagonia right stole it for under the steel she got it as like free swag from work brian just said Katie got a free swag from work. It's like a really nice Patagonia. Those things are expensive, man. Have you ever been to the Patagonia store? Dude, I know all of my my wife's uh, summer house is right by Vermont. You don't think I know Patagonia, bro? Oh, your wife's summer house? Hey, you know. Okay. You like that? Yeah, you know. Um, I see what this is all about. You've been there. No wonder you got married at like twenty-two. Um, what were we talking about? We're talking about Carmelo handling New York really well. Something is <coughs> cracked. Over the what, past, what else? What else is in the news? We, we one last thing, okay. and then we'll do killer. Okay, well, we got to do the mail a little bit. Oh, we got a mailbag, and then killer comparison. Yeah, we'll, we'll do this. All right, this is another LeBron story. LeBron's just been kill, killing it in the news. Everyone got crazy that he unfollowed the Cavs on Twitter. Um, we understand that now it's because he's going in his playoff social media blackout mode, and this paragraph. So uh, this is one of my favorite paragraphs I've ever seen on ESPN.com. Uh, by Dave McMenamin, McMenamin, that needs to be, if there's going to be a 2016 time capsule, okay, mm-hmm. just this paragraph needs to be placed within that. <laughs> because this is going to explain what our current generation is going through to all future generations. Mm-hmm. This is on LeBron's social media. LeBron's thinking about adding Snapchat. He's about to get on Snapchat. <laughs> Wait, is this part of the thing? No, no, no. Now, okay. ready, start quote. While adding Snapchat to his social media tool belt could be seen as contradictory to his self-titled Zero Dark 23 social media blackout for the postseason, a source close to James insists that using Snapchat would be more about James sharing a glimpse of inside his world to outsiders rather than James potentially reading comments and mentions from those outsiders that could shake his winning, his focus on winning a championship. And then they explain, then Dave explains what Snapchat does, which is it lets you upload photos and they go away in 10 seconds. This is unbelievable. This is hilarious. This is where we're, so this is exactly the reason that I don't have any of this crap. It's because I, I, first of all, I have this sneaking suspicion that I'm doing it wrong and presenting myself in an embarrassing manner. And that's the, that's what it is. That's what this I love whole your social media shyness. It's, it's one of my favorite things about Because it. I feel like there's like this elusive internet vocabulary that I just never picked up or never, it was like, to it, 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 it evolves mean, too like, quick. Like I'm like behind. I'm behind. You know, I'm behind everything by five years. You know, I'll still be like, you know, saying like TTYL on Twitter and stuff. And but TTYL is like kind of ironic, retro funny. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I wouldn't. I had to piece that together now. But um, yeah, I, I just imagine there's like a bunch of these like because it's very self-referential. Like all you know, these memes they travel very quickly. I just come late to everything. I just know it. It's not a good look for me. I mean, really, the only thing, if you're going to follow basketball and you're going to be on social media, the only thing that you really have to know about is the Michael Jordan crying face, which I'm sure you've seen. Yeah, of course. Right. That's, like, the only thing that matters now. I mean, that that, that it goes down to the Hall of Fame of, like, social media. If if there is a social media Hall of Fame, the first class is going to be, besides the apps with which you can use social media on, Michael Jordan crying face has got to be one of the top ones. Um, but... 
it's in two things. Yeah. One, social media, Snapchat. The fact that there's a discussion on ESPN in terms of in their on their website about a player's social media presence. There's a discussion about that. Yeah. And in it, the reporter needs not couldn't even just have it from uh, the man himself, LeBron. But he had to get sourced information. Yeah. And the fact that that source, whoever it was, felt like that they couldn't be on the record about LeBron's Snapchat use. Yeah. That who I'm sure it was like Maverick Carter or someone like that, that. That that person didn't feel like that they had the authority or the ability to be public about why LeBron wants to be on Snapchat. I loved it. That's it. It's very... It is very 2016. All right. Uh, should we do mail oh, yeah. time or you yeah, want to I'll do... I'll have the mail. All right. I don't really... Mail time. Mail time. The is here. You can just take us right out on that. Um... So we've got a couple of emails, a couple of our favorites. Um, Louie started the first paragraph, some very sweet things about how he's glad we're back, and we're glad to be back, Louie, and glad to be reading your email. Uh, basically, to parse his question, it's like, what are your thoughts on Tony Brown? Is he a possible solution? I know you were talking about this recently. About I'm a we, big TV fan. Are we big sitting on, on we're, we're looking around for all these new young guys and and meanwhile, Tony Brown's got Brooke Lopez like passing out of double teams and like hitting <laughs> giving goes. So what's up, you know? What's up, TB? No, I like I like Tony Brown. The only thing is, it's like it'd be it'd be really tough to make him your coach. One, I don't think people around the league really know him um, in terms of like players around the league. Like, who is Tony Brown gonna bring in to recruit? Uh, I can see. My thing is, my sneaky suspicion. I mean, Christian brought it up in the in his little interview with us about Kevin Durant. Um, I could see this team being a Scott Brooks. I could see the Nets hiring Scott Brooks and like, Ugh, don't just tell me that. that that's that's the guy. Get, I mean, get, get Kevin Ollie. Get the get the new Kevin I, Durant connection. <laughs> I mean, I just don't. You know, I don't know what Sean Marks really wants. I like Tony Brown. I'm not saying he should get the job. I'd like to see him stay on this team, but I know it's unlikely that a new coach would would hire someone like that. But you know, just keep on the interim coach. Uh, this team has played better under Tony Brown than they have under Lionel Hollins. There's no question about it. The team's played harder. Tony Brown's had worse players. He's down Joe Johnson and Jared Jack, but yet he, this team is playing better. Mm -hmm. um, give me, give me Tony Brown for three more weeks, and then give me Scott Brooks. Oh, Scott Brooks. I don't want Scott Double Brooks, but barf. that's going to be who it's going to be. So, I think they're going to hire Scott Brooks. Really? To make a based on what? To make a play for Kevin Durant. I th did they let? I, I thought it was like Kevin he, was like, I'm okay with him. Reading between the lines, he's like, hey, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, fine. yeah, but I don't know if the Nets know that. And they're gonna think they're <laughs> really gonna think hope. if if Scott Brooks gives them a one percent chance more of getting Kevin well, Durant. I hope they interview Kevin Durant before they interview whatever coach in the first place. You know, just to sweeten the the honeypot. Um, <clears throat> next emails from. Manny Martinez. Oh, uh, I, so Manny, I got to all your stuff with Chris, and don't worry, bro, I got you. Wink, wink. Uh, he has to to hook him up with uh, um, the what? Talking to the microphone, Brian. Oh, sorry. Um, 
Don't worry. Just off the record, Manny, I got your back. Okay, well, I'm gonna, we're going to see what we can do for you. Uh, your boy Mike Wims. Uh, how many of the point guards on the roster, D. Sloan, Jack Lurkin, will be Nets next year? Oof. Good question. Only Jared Jack. Really? You, is I don't is it a player so. option or is it a, a team? I think it's a team option, right? Uh, who cares? Well, now I wish I'd looked it up. I think. I, I would think that they would keep Jared Jack if they could, if they can. I think they'd be happy to, depending on injury, depending on how likely it is that he comes back from injury. I don't think Larkin is going to be on this team, uh, and D. Sloan should not be on this team. Um, this is all I have to say that. Wow. They but just shut me up. That's all just I have to say. That's all, that's shut all, all I was. All day, D. Sloan for life, Michael. You understand? Wait, who? <laughs> We're gonna lose listeners. They're, the the anti drop contingent. I can already hear them. I can hear their 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 laptops banging away in your emails. Uh, last last email. Ooh, new guy, Chris Davidson. Thanks for writing, Chris. Um, he says, "How do you feel? Who do you feel are realistic free agent targets for the next summer? And would you give Batum the max?" This is the big question. That's the big question. I know Chris Sheeran thinks it's Kevin Durant. I know that much. Um, who are the realistic ones, Brian? Do you have anyone? I mean, so the most realistic one. I bring this up all the time, but you get mad at me. Is Harrison Barnes? Blah. They would have to give him the max. If there's some algorithm that Sean Marks has that that tells him that Harrison Barnes is in fact a all-star when evidence to this point has shown that he is not, the Nets that's the type of play that the Nets can make if they don't get Kevin Durant. It's hot getting the guy who is like the fifth best player on a really, really, really good team, give him a huge contract and give him a bigger role, and you hope... That he's the next James Harden. I've been trying to watch Harrison Barnes with this in mind, and I just I'm not. I I know I'm trying to factor in the fact that he never touches the ball, all this stuff, and still I'm like I don't I'm not seeing this like this is the guy that we we want to pay the money to. I would I would make a lot more. Uh, I mean, there's a a bunch of other players you can make that mistake with. Batum, a good, a good person to make that mistake with. Hit a pretty big shot against the Nets. Um, he um, looks really composed. Batum? I was, I was very, I was admiring his game. Silky he, he, smooth. He seems to really like to be like a jerk and hit shots Kemba, in other people's buildings. Kemba Walker. Yeah, Kemba looks good this season. Who? I mean, and that's like one of the guys. So, and so when we say, should you tear it down and trade Brook and that but young? You think for, you're getting for, Kemba Walker? Back? No, for first round picks, but like. That's the type of guy that you could get with one of those first round picks. Oh, the, dude. the Nets aren't going to get for every, they're not going to get a top five pick, but what they're going to get is a ten through twenty. For every hopefully. for every one Kemba Walker, you've got. I know, but that's the hope. That's the dream. You've got fifteen. Because you get a twenty five point scorer a game who is dynamic and can close games. What the hell is the guy's name? We picked him fifteen in. Uh, Terrence Williams. No, Earl Clark. No, you didn't. Anyways, I'll, I'll come up with it. Um, so that's it. That's that's the the freaking news, or no, the the freaking mail. Um, give you a killer comparison here. That was a good
still cooking from that Patagonia. That thing really whew, put a number on me. Um, okay, so here's the thing. You know, Mike, we do a lot of stuff about oh, other wow, people. I like this. We, we do a lot of stuff about other people. This is this is a killer comparison about you. For, for, <laughs> oh, I don't like this. <laughs> I do not enjoy this. This is these are just questions. So I was I was looking about uh, just <clears throat> general like I have you know, some people in my life that I've run out of things to talk about, and I was like you know me and Mike we've talked forever you know about a lot of, we've never run out of stuff to talk about. But anyways, I got, got me to this Yahoo um, article about what to, what to talk to how to how to talk to people that you you run out of things to talk about. So. <laughs> Here are some of the things. Um, Mike, what's your earliest memory of feeling wonder? Like you were feeling wonder about something. Hard to say. Do you ever feel wonder? You're not, you don't seem like a very. This is going to be really lame. This is going to be like ultra super lame and like typical and all that stuff. Okay, I'm excited. My earliest memory is probably Empire Strikes Back. Wow. That's and you were you. I just see it in your eyes right now. Like, like, that's exactly the look yeah. you had. Oh <laughs> that movie <laughs> freaking blew my mind when I was I was like eight years old. I remember watching it in my aunt's house in Dallas, Texas, wow. on a Christmas. It was like Christmas Eve, and I remember like just like what the hell is this movie? This is amazing. Actually, what more impressed me was the Return of the Jedi, like the. The Rancor Pit scene. Mm-hmm. That that movie, that whole thing. I, totally different movie years later. Well, they all came out at the same time, I guess, when we were kids. Yeah. Mm. I was in, yeah, I was born in 88, so those movies are out. Yeah. Amazing. That and Indiana Jones, both of those. No wonder. No wonder you turned out the way you? you did. I was trying to think. I, I really don't have... I don't feel... Final Fantasy 3 or... I don't have... The f- like awe is not like something I can access really. I don't have wonder. Mm. I don't. It's not. I no. wish I. I went to the. <laughs> you are childlike, but you don't really have that much it's wonder. True. I went to the Grand Canyon, and I told people in my office this. I was like, "Yeah." They were like, "What?" And so, well, how was it? I was like, eh, "You know, it's it's fine. It's good." I and I was like, "I liked it mostly um, for the people watching at the Grand Canyon." <laughs> Shut up! I swear. I you get, looked at the Grand Canyon and you weren't like. That and then is I saw a kid in a, co- in a corn T-shirt, like kicking rocks into it, and I was like, "Okay, well that's better." Now you've got my attention. That's that's much more up your alley. <laughs> yeah. I just knowing you, a kid in a corn T-shirt kicking rocks in the Grand Canyon is like you wanted to film that. <laughs> yeah, and just be like, exactly. I want to live with that kid. Yes. So you you get me. You understand me. These people did not. They were like, "So you're making fun of some kid?" I was like, "No, no, 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 no. It's it's not about that. Yeah, not it's about that. Just." The, the character of yeah, that. Grand Canyon to make fun of teenagers? No, no. Um, what is the bravest thing you've ever done, Mike? Oh, God. Um, the bravest thing I've ever done is... I really don't know. Probably quitting football senior year of high school. Wow. The bravest thing was to yeah. quit football i think Interesting. the the decision to say well so what happened was there's a whole story behind this but i weighed i was like 225 junior year of high school a biggish kid you know i'm 511 so 225 is pretty hefty and Oof, yeah i lost a ton of weight i played you know i played lacrosse so i went down to like 175 which was fine and then 
you know, my football coaches wanted me to gain back the weight, and I and I didn't want to do that. I was mm. like, I'm looking good. I'm getting attention from girls. Yeah, for fantastic. The first time. Well, I you know I was always yeah. just slaying, sure. slaying. Oh so god, I could tell. By, <laughs> I could tell by the way you're saying. It. You know, yeah. just <laughs> slang, just slang. Um, and I just you know I said I don't want to play football because I would have to gain back my weight. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. I'm proud of myself. I yeah. made a decision for Mike, not not for. I'm a, I'm a crowd pleaser. Wow, this was about me. What about you, Brian? Um, I was thinking about this too. I mean, I'm not really brave either, but I do want to have an answer for one of these things. I did. I got into a fight in high school. Took a kid to task. What was that about? So I was uh, at a house party. Just just moved schools. Wait, uh, high school, or middle school, high school, high school. Just moved. This is soft, probably sophomore year. I'm like 16 or something. I had just moved schools. I'm the new kid, right? And uh, some some bro wants to like you know chump like like just flex me in front of everyone, and he's throwing pills in my head. It's like a big party, and I'm like you know getting hit with something. I'm like oh, I'm not paying attention. Finally, get smacked with like a, like a you know enough that I'm like okay, something has to. And I turn around and see this dude with a bunch of his friends. What kind of pills are we talking about? They're like, like vitamins. They're big. They're, yeah, it wasn't like yeah, it wasn't like oxycotton. <laughs> no, no, they weren't like no, it wasn't crazy like that. No, they were like someone's like Flintstone vitamins or something, but like big enough to like, but small enough to ignore and the he first. Was just throwing them at throwing you. Them at me, throwing them at me. And he had already we had had a couple of like issues before leading up to this. Anyways, confront him right there. I just turned. I had some the only very few times in my life have I like just felt my my blood boil and I'm just like okay, go time. And I just tell this kid exactly what I think of him, and I tell him all the stuff about how you know his friends don't actually like him and they're just pretending to like him and all this stuff. In a, in a less uh, <laughs> yeah, in a less, <laughs> d- yeah, less I'd punch you in the face diplomatic manner than I than I just told you now. So he goes away. I was like, oh okay, wow, because his friends actually did not like him. That was part of it too. Like you only say that to a kid that, that that's actually true for. Him. Anyways, he comes back out and he's like, Egan, hundred to one odds. I kick your ass. <laughs> I was like, all right. I love that. And I say instinctively, I was like, let's do it. Let's go outside. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, ugh, wish I hadn't done that. Because he's bigger than me. He's quite a bit bigger. So I'm like, okay, I'm walking out of the house. Got to come up with a plan. Got to get a plan. Okay. So I'm walking, and I'm like, here's what I do. If I just land that first punch, I could, I could probably be okay. Uh, strong enough. You know, I'll just like... I'll just get that first punch and really like he's not going to be like there's maybe a chance that he thinks that this could like you know go away so anyway, walk down out of the house down the stoop uh are people following people oh, the whole party's following sure, got to be and uh i put down my jacket put down my beer there's a slight misting of rain a little bit happening oh wow and uh i turn back around and he's like you know talking to somebody while coming down the stairs to the porch and i wind up and i hit him as hard as i can in the face and it hits him in the forehead, and he's fine. He's totally fine. <laughs> totally 100% okay. And then we're just fighting, and I'm like, okay, oh, my God. Like, we're fighting, like, you know, a couple shots here and there. And then we slip together in the mud, which is a bad, bad situation for me. I, like, end up mostly more on my back than he does, and he rolls me over. And I see I'm about to, get st- like, start getting my ass kicked. Like, okay, here, here's where that happens. And then out of nowhere, my friend, Mike Spudafora, Chaboy, shout out to Mike Spotafora. <laughs> shout out to Mike Spotafora. Comes out and kicks him in the gut, and he flies off me, and he's and that's it. And like, then he's waving the, the white flag, and nobody comes to stick up for him. Save my, save my ass, Mike Spotafora. So always, you'll always be my boy. Um, but yeah, no, was, that was the one. I mean, it was brave of me. I mean, in, in its way, it's more like you know, 
It was kind of brave. It, kind of, not really. I mean, how, how many opportunities do you have to be brave in? In one time, okay, here's here's one time that <laughs> I felt like I life. was being brave. I came very close to to pooping my pants on a subway, and I held it in. I felt brave. <laughs> <laughs> what a life we live, huh? <laughs> I know, right? Um, so here's the next question. I'm just gonna skip through these, but I thought that was you know, wonder, <laughs> bravery. This is the next question. If you could take that pill that made you smarter, like Bradley Cooper in Limitless, would you? <laughs> That's literally the next question. Would I? And what does that is mean? There is there side effects yeah, of that I guess there pill? must be I don't something. think I know enough about the I pill, I haven't too. seen the movie, but it sounds I'm like if sure? you take a pill to make you smarter. Sure? Why would I not? I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. Okay, what do you most fear? I'm going to wrap these up. This is going to go uh, I most fear... I don't know. Probably, I would never jump out of a plane. So heights, is that or, or like my deepest, darkest fears of like I will, I will not get to the place I want to in life, something like that. Whoa! No, you've said enough. You answered it. Um, I'm an inadequate lover. No, busted. I knew it. <laughs> um, that's well known. No, just like yeah, what's something? Maybe not, not on a daily basis, but like something that just you know. Chills you to the core. Yeah, heights, big time heights. Heights. I mean, I can do roller coasters just fine, but like, I'm talking about like, you know, when you know those stairs that like every like the floor is glass, all everything's glass, so you feel like you're almost like just like walking. Um, those floors, like the floor is glass. A glass. Where are we? Where? where am let's I? say like you're in a museum. Have you been to the um, Air and Space Museum in Washington D.C.? No, no. Why would I have ever been? Because that's like the greatest. Freaking okay. museum in sure. DC. I'm sure it is. Okay, I'm gonna throw something at you. One <laughs> sec. Um, uh, they, you know, they're. It's such a huge area. They have to have airplanes be able to fit within the air and space museum. Okay. So there are walkways that are five stories up that you're walking across. Oh. Deathly afraid of that. I mean, but the floors are glass. You said like the the wall, the railing wall, yeah. is all glass. So it's not like right. Nothing there. Sure. No, I could see that getting that would bug me. What about out you? Um, well, I've said this before, but like ghosts, really kind of just. <laughs> do you believe in ghosts? I told you I don't believe in them, but they do scare me a little bit uh, from time to time. My brother told me. My stepbrother Neil told me that his other stepbrother on like way the other side that I'm not even related to saw a ghost. He told me this when I was mm-hmm. seven. Been afraid of ghosts ever See? since then. Now, now I'm not, but I, I believe in them. I do believe. In Here's them. what I have a fear of. It's it's just being the like um uh what a self assured like white guy who's just like there's no such thing as ghosts. And then those are the guys that always get got. You know. Yeah. Those are the guys that are, they're closed minded. I don't want to be closed minded to anything. So you know, I leave that little room of uh, like that little window open, and the ghouls just crawled right in, and that's it. Now they're all up in my house. I got a household. We are doing this in a basement that is. I do spend absolutely disturbing like the, the Amityville horror down here. Um, well lit though. Well yeah, lit. I, well, you have to be, except for that back corner. I, I, all my stuff used to be back there. You can see it's getting creepier and creepier by the day. Um, do you want to do any more of these? We don't. Yeah. yeah. Okay. People can. People, if you want to, you can sign off now. No. Right. What? <laughs> no. Like people don't have to listen to the whole thing. We got to we so do another giveaway, another uh, persimmon giveaway. We do actually, see. and so Devin graciously gifted me, and I think I've said this before on the pod, a uh, Darren Williams mask, uh-huh. um, and we still have, surprisingly, a Darren Williams jersey that we've tried to give away, but it's never worked out. 
Wow. So I'm going to gift both of those away on the next pod. Uh, so be listening. Brian and I will figure out the way with which we will give that away. It'll be some kind of trivia. We can do better. We're, we're going to figure it out. Or the secret word. We'll do secret word, trivia. A, a, an elaborate scavenger hunt through the city. Either way, we're going to be giving away a Darren Williams mask and a Darren Williams... And like This is a legit jersey. It's not like a, like a crap jersey. I mean, it's well done. So you could put tape over the name Williams and or they could draft someone named Williams. Anyways. All right. One more? One more. What's the best prank you've ever pulled? Prank. I don't do pranks. You don't do Pranks are cruel. <laughs> uh, cruel, yeah. cruel things. Yeah. People who like pranks. Yeah. Not, Cru- in, love, not in love with that. Here's a prank that I pulled. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> As a cruel guy. No, this is actually not a... I'm not a pranker either. I think they're pretty lame generally, but... I actually do have a prank, but I'll let you yeah, go. Yeah, go ahead. You do it. No, no, you, you go, because mine's depressing. It's not fun. Well, you do your depressing one first, and then all, mine's not depressing. It's good. No, no, I'm not going to say it. At it's, all. It's not f- I wasn't a part of it. Oh, my God. I did you like make fun of a... Like, what did you do? You did. This is bad. I can tell... Look at the look at your face. It's really bad. All right. We're not going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about Are it. Are you about to cry? I... I still feel really bad this about it. feels like a dark memory. Okay. So, let's not... Let's not... All right. I ate someone's gushers. No. Question for you. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite snack. <laughs> <laughs> I. You go first. Well, okay, here's the thing. Dunkaroos. I'll give you the snack that, like, so I don't really have a memory. I have a Wait, memory. Give me, but give me your prank after this. Being without it and then having it. So we used to have Pop-Tarts in my household, <gasps> but not frosted ones. That was the what? thing. Exactly. So why? Wait, why have the fake Pop-Tarts? Pop-Tarts? No, they, they were, were Pop-Tart ma- brand Pop-Tarts that didn't have the frosting on it. They sold these for many years. I don't know if they still do. That is disgusting. It's just the breaded whatever and goo. And they were fine. They were, like, you know pastry strudels but not pop tarts and my mom by accident got wild berry frosted it was like it was like a purple with a radical turquoise yeah, I, know the, I know the i never yeah. i don't like that flavor but i know the flavor but okay going from zero frosting to the wild berry radical stripe was <laughs> we ate them all in one sitting anyways okay so um here's the prank you're gonna like this okay so when i used to work at a restaurant Used to work with a bunch of Mexican guys, right? And they're from all over. But there's this one guy in particular who's from a place called Oaxaca. That's spelled O-A-X, a million different things. Oaxaca. And uh, in Oaxaca, they're extremely superstitious. They're the most superstitious people. <laughs> I feel like you were being pranked already by this. This sounds fake. That this I'm. Sounds, it's not. It's just, it sounds like this Oaxacan is pranking you by telling people no, telling you that I'm pranking him. You're going to see. Look at this dumb white guy. No, he is. They are very, like, super duper, super about everything. They had all kinds of rituals for everything. Anyways, so one night we go to a bar, me and this guy. Uh, he takes me to a Mexican bar for, like, I've never been to a Mexican bar. I didn't know these existed in New York City. It was awesome, you know, really interesting thing to do. And, uh, at, while we're at the bar, <clears throat> there's this guy that comes up to me. He's like, young guy, wearing all black. He's got like a black trench coat and a black hat. <clears throat> He's like, can I do a magic trick for you? I'm like, yeah, sure, fine. This is Mexican dude. Knows, knows, speaking English to me. So I'm like, okay, yeah, fine. Um, does this like elaborate magic trick for me? <laughs> Sorry. I'm getting a uh, cotton mouth here. <laughs> <laughs> this is the longest. Please continue. 
Wait, are you pranking someone, by the way? I will be pranking this guy okay. eventually. Okay, so I'm just setting it up. <laughs> so he uh, he does this magic trick, and it's actually really impressive. It's like a really, it's like a David Blaine style, like elaborate magic trick, and everyone's like, "Holy shit!" It, like stops the everyone's watching. It's quite a thing. Anyways, afterwards, um, he has this exchange with my buddy Eduardo in Spanish, and it's like gets weird. It's like obviously like a good weird vibe about it. After, and I was like, okay, and then he's like. He's like to me. He's like you, you know, you know what I am, right? And I'm like, mm, I'm a fruit leafy magician. I don't know what are you. And he's like, no, I'm you soy Nahual. And a Nahual is a uh, witch. It's like a what? It's like a Mexican warlock. And then he looks at like Eduardo that. and me, and he's like, so you remember? And then he leaves, leaves the bar, goes off into the night, and that's it. <coughs> I'm. We end up getting really drunk, and then uh, next day I call out of work. <clears throat> day after that i go into work and i'm like eduardo i was so sick the other day he's like oh really and i could tell i get to see it right in his eyes he's like he thinks that the nahual had something to do with me being sick and it wasn't just me being who i could just wow. see it in his face i'm like okay i got you i i see this so a couple days later i make up this lie about how i had horrible dreams all this stuff and he's like okay all right i see you okay and he's like, I could just see him like, like cataloging all this stuff. Obviously, I'm Googling Nahual and like what they do and stuff. Right. So then I go to my buddy Colin's house and he has a new kitten, new black, all black kitten. And we're messing around with it. God. I put it in the refrigerator just to like, you know, just take a picture of the cat in the fridge. I don't know. We were just messing right. around. As you do with the yeah, kitten. Yeah, as you do. And, uh, and I, it's, look at the picture later and it's you can only just make out the cat's face a little bit like poking out around from a milk box or something and otherwise it's like pretty barren and i'm like okay so here's what i'm gonna tell eduardo that i was cleaning out my fridge i wanted to show katie that i was cleaning out my fridge and then i was like and then i saw the picture and it looked like there was a cat face and i'd be like doesn't that look like a cat face to you how weird is that (laughs) so i do that i do exactly that right and then i come into the work the next day and one of the other uh chefs is like Yo, Brian, you have to stop. Like, this guy is about to spend like a lot of money getting an exorcism for you, <laughs> getting like a like a voodoo priest exorcist. <laughs> it's like you have to tell him you're lying about this because he's gonna spend like five thousand dollars on this exorcism because <laughs> he feels responsible. So I had to I had to come clean. But that was that's, that's not like a prank. It was just a series of like lies that really worked out nicely. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I love that. That was so worth it. Yeah. That was so worth so, all of that. All of me just talking. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, that's that's my that's my Nahual story. Um should we end it right here? Yeah, why don't we? Why don't we? I'll just I'll hit the thing, you start talking, you start bringing us out. You know. Um thanks to Christian for joining us on the podcast. Check us out on the BK Glue Guys, or not at BK Glue Guys, on the Brooklyn Game Do it right, Michael. Uh check us out on iTunes, search glue, search glue guys, and Brian Woo! Shout at the end of the fucking show